Let's start I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Children's and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. In the postal mail every month from characters and learn about a new place. We started back in 2009 with geography subscriptions and actually just this past um, October launched into a new vertical. We now have a subscription covering science where kids learn about a new science topic every month. All right, so let's start with a couple questions. You say kids, what's the what's the age segment yeah. typically? Great question. We started with six to 10 with our World Edition subscription and we now have offerings for kids all the way from ages three up to early teenage years. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they're different products for those different age groups. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So tell me about the, it's December. So what's in the December world global package for a six to 10 year old? Yeah. So, um, so our world edition, um, actually we're shipping 36 different varieties oh, wow. this month. So we have, we have an introductory package. So it's the holiday season and a lot of kids are waiting to get, our, or parents are waiting <laughs> to, uh, to share little passports with kids this holiday season. So in their introductory package, what they're getting is a mini suitcase mm-hmm. that they store goodies all year. They get a letter from imaginary pen pals, Sam and Sophia. They get stickers to put on their suitcase and in their map as they travel every month. And then there are activities. It might be a recipe, arts and crafts every month. And then next month, they'll learn about Brazil and they'll get a souvenir from Brazil in the month after Japan. Okay, so so you start the subscription with the suitcase. That's right. And then it works from there. That's wow, right. that's that's very clever. It's a nice device. And and then so t- so let's say I'm visiting Brazil. What do I what do, how do how does that visit work? Yeah. So uh, so you're at home. This is a learning product yeah. so you can learn at home. And Sam and Sophia get on their scooter, their magical scooter, and they travel to Brazil and they land in the Amazon rainforest where they encounter an endangered red Uakari monkey. And they save him by hiding him in an amethyst mine. And they send a little miniature amethyst to kids. And so they get a letter about this story, this adventure, and they get attached to Sam and Sophia. They write fan mail to our characters. And then they get that souvenir and they um, they do a recipe around um, Brazilian Brigadeiro. It's a, a very popular dessert recipe in mm-hmm. Brazil. Mm-hmm. And just as a... Uh, so in January, what would come would be a box. Is that right? So it's um, it's actually a, a robust envelope. Okay, a robust yeah, envelope yeah. with goodies in it. That's okay. right. Yeah. Okay. And 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 how much does it cost? So it's on average about fifteen dollars a month. We okay. offer a month to month, and then you can prepay a year, things like that. Yeah. What what fraction of your users start in the month of December? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I would say we get anywhere from a third to a half of our annual business in December. Yeah. Our team is is working hard right now at the yeah, office. Thanks very much for making the time. I know it's a business. This is probably the busiest week. It right? is. Uh, I would say that the five weeks right now are insane. Yeah. 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 Which That's we awesome. are a good yeah. kind of insanity. Yeah. So this is this is really cool. Take us back to the beginning. Where did it come from? Yeah. So I was working at eBay here in Silicon Valley. I had moved out from the East Coast and met Stella Ma, my co-founder and co-CEO. 
and we became best friends quickly. And she we, was also working at eBay. So she worked at eBay. She yeah. was a coworker. Yeah. That's right. Um, and we knew that we had this shared passion for entrepreneurship. I also joke that when you move to California, it's in the water. There's an osmosis here. You have to eventually run a marathon and start a business. And um, and so we started talking about this and realized that we had a shared passion around global citizenship. Stella is Chinese American, grew up in Oakland, which is a real melting pot. And I moved every three years from England to the U.S. And I'm a Lauder um, Institute alum from from uh, Penn. And, and so- just to interrupt for a minute, the the Lauder program, which which was endowed by the family of Estee Lauder. That's right. Uh, uh, is is a program in which you do. I believe a master's degree in the School of Arts and Sciences and an MBA, and it focuses on global uh, international management. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly and right. And what was your focal uh, region? I focused on Latin America and speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. There's a strong language component there. Great. Yeah. Okay, so I interrupted you. You're at you, uh, or actually, I don't actually remember where we were. You and Stella I were was, at eBay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were at eBay. We okay. wanted to start a company. We were yeah. also having our children at the ah. same time. So we were. We were having kids, and we we realized that we wanted to start a, start a business. We didn't want to um, necessarily stay home. We wanted to work, but we wanted to feel like every day when we left our kids at home, the work we were doing had real impact. Mm-hmm. We wanted to build a mission driven company, yeah. and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so we we found that we had this shared passion around global citizenship and. We've remembered the joy as kids of opening presents on Christmas morning, or I was living in in Manhattan right after Wharton, of shopping at the local grocery store and having just those silly groceries delivered to my house, the joy of opening any package. And so this was back in 2008 that we were talking about these things. And so we developed a prototype concept. We recruited 50 families and we, um, we tested out our prototype, got feedback, and we launched from there in 2009. You know, it's interesting you, you talked about the physicality of opening a package, which is something that we certainly don't get much mail anymore. No. Everything had gone virtual. How did you think about the decision to do it? Was it ever a question whether you were going to do it physically or virtually? You know, back back in 2008, virtual worlds for kids were still a, a popular um kind of concept yeah. and we did we do have a an online component to the packages but I would say the primary value for children and their families is the physical piece so we did consider it but we knew that the physical piece of it was what you know kids learn by touching and feeling right. and so that was always on the table for us mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, I like this idea because it, there's no reason it can't extend into the virtual Correct. world. But certainly, this idea of getting something in the mail is certainly mm-hmm. the significant marker. Kids, yeah. we hear from parents, their kids are literally putting down their iPads and running to the mailbox to yeah. get their package. They are incredibly engaged. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this this trial, which is really interesting. So this is what we would, in today's language, call a minimum viable product, right? You sort of fielded this prototype of 50 to 50 families. Uh-huh. What was in that first in that first box? A letter that was too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we heard from the parents that yeah. our letter was too long yeah. for kids that yeah. were, you know, yeah. six to 10 years old. So right. there was a, a letter too long. We had that initial souvenir. Yeah. So we had Brazil. We had a, a music CD at the time. It wasn't an amethyst. Um, uh, we did not have the online games. And so we got feedback that parents wanted some type of online component as well. Um, and the, and I, I don't remember if we had the activities yet then. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so then, so then, what happened? So you did this pilot with fifty. Uh, you, you, were you after that? Were you really confident you had something, or was there still a lot of uncertainty? 
we felt very confident that there was a need in the marketplace. We had gone to Toy Fair, for instance, in New York, and were fairly dismayed at the lack of um, innovation in the toy industry around um, geography. There were puzzles. There's Dora and Diego, which is a you know a TV show. We, mm-hmm. Nothing that was incredibly interactive and innovative. So we felt like we were onto something, and that customers have validated the demand. I think the uncertainty came from um, the ability to get funding to really scale this thing. Mm. And therein lay the challenge. Okay. So actually, I want, I'm curious about this timeline. So that was 2009. Had you and Stella, were you, were you still working at eBay? Or did you quit We had jobs? left eBay. Yeah. yeah. In order to start a company, get any kind of funding, you need to be full-time on it. Mm. So you were confident enough that you were willing to quit your jobs? Yep. Okay. I, yeah. All right. So tell us about the funding journey. Yeah. So... Uh, we we started pounding the pavement. I like to say it's the, the Kevin Bacon game, um, <laughs> degrees of separation. We started with some of our eBay contacts um, and and we got introduced. We pro- I mean, but we, pro- we took over 50 meetings with angel investors and, um, and we were waiting for that one big initial investor to help bring in other people. And Jeff Weiner, the CEO of LinkedIn, was actually that initial investor for us. Wow, that'll work. You it, get, yeah, you it did get, help. Yeah. It, yeah, and we're very grateful for yeah, his support. Yeah. yeah, so he, yeah. Um, were you classmates or anything? You know, he's, he's no, a he's I a do warning. know. Yeah. I do. And we were not classmates. Yeah, we were yeah. not. Um, uh, that, yeah. Um, so we raised a very small amount, under $200,000 mm-hmm. of initial angel funding. It was enough for us to order the inventory mm-hmm. and to do a very minimal amount of marketing. Nobody was getting paid any salary at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. I want to just interrupt you saying an underscore one point for our listeners. It's not unusual to have 50 meetings with not investors. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And so people who've had three meetings and are discouraged need to remember that, that it's, it, yeah. It is a fairly long and arduous journey. I think that, I mean, you've actually hit already on two of the points that I always say are the key ingredients to starting a company. One is complete and absolute belief in yourself mm-hmm. because there are going to be so many roadblocks along the way. And the other is perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we did have to go out. It's like auditioning to be an actor. You 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 go and you get so many no's along yeah. the way, and you just have to yeah. keep believing in yourself. How how different is the business today than than what you pitched to investors in two thousand? That's a great question. It is quite different. Yeah. You know, I think back then we we were envisioning some type of. Um, offline online component with the online being in even bigger mm-hmm. we knew that offline was important but we've been validated you know we've shipped over two million packages to date and so we've been really validated by our customers of the importance of this offline piece so that is different mm-hmm. and this move into science as a new vertical for us that was not envisioned early on you know we were pitching this as a geography um a geography product did did at the time you were you were pitching investors? Did you think it was venture backable that it was it, it, that it was that kind of business? We did, yeah. and I still believe that yeah. it's a hundred million dollar business. Yeah. I still, I absolutely built. We are really looking to build the next great children's brand across yeah. multimedia. Yeah. We have a book out. Uh-huh. You know, we have we have we've created our first animation clip, mm-hmm. um, and so we did pitch venture. We pit. We probably took fifty venture meetings um, at different stages, and. Um, and we did not end up getting uh, venture funding. Mm-hmm. Wow! So you did the fifty meetings and didn't get the venture. That funding. is right. Yeah. We did not get it. Probably just as well, right? I'm guessing you look at. Well, tell us. Was no, it just I would as say well? T- yeah, yeah. I'm. Ex- I wouldn't want it any other way. I think that my my job and my company. I'm incredibly proud of both of them, and I. 
I feel like we're at a magical moment in time right now. We have 30 employees. We'll add another 15 next year. We're going to do 30 million in revenue, get to a 30 million run rate this year. And so I, I love it right now. We've been yeah. able to build a very unique culture um, and grow at a, a fast pace, yeah. but one that preserves the culture we're trying to build. Yeah. Amy, it is remarkable. Before we move on, I want to I want to follow up on a couple of those points. But before we move on to the follow up, the so so let's just close the loop on the financing. So you raised this angel money, small yep. amount of angel money. That's right. Was there additional money raised along the way? There was. Yeah. We've raised several million dollars to date, and we've had. Um, Fantastic support from angel groups that support female entrepreneurs. Ah. One in particular, Golden Seeds out of New York um, and here Carol in California. Carol Curley, yes. the, I know quite well, who's yeah. the, the, one of the founders of that group. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I shouldn't have interrupted you there. So, so an angel group in, in New York, Golden Seeds, they, mm -hmm. Seeds, they, they supported you. And so it, it's quasi-venture. I mean, you've now raised a few million. Yes, we few have. Million dollars. That's right. So it's it is already quasi venture, maybe not Sand Hill Road, but but still in quasi institutional. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you mentioned you mentioned culture. There's a bunch of uh, say a little bit what what the culture is and and did and did it did it arise spontaneously or did you and Stella think about it deliberately from the outset? Yeah. Both. Yeah. Uh, so I think in the beginning when it was, you know, because it took us several years to get to a million dollars in revenue. So there were several years where there were um, two, three, four, five of us. And at that point, you know, what's the culture of five people? Yeah. Um, it was very much the culture between Stella and I and our relationship. And so spontaneously, it has always been trust-based. We have a mm -hmm. co-CEO model mm -hmm. and that requires complete and utter trust in each other. I run our financial she has to trust that I'm managing the money correctly. She runs our product development. Um, and so that trust base was there. And then as we started to grow um, and we got a, our first office space, we became more deliberate about um, what we were trying to do. And for us, the jobs that we create are as uh, meaningful to us as the the experiences that we're creating for children. And we wanted this to be the kind of job where people would be home on a Sunday night and not dreading going to work the next day. And so um, we, everybody, the whole office works from home two days a week. On Tuesdays and Fridays, we are all at home. And that's pretty unique in a day and age where you know, we have, you know, companies like Yahoo where people are coming back into the office. Um, and so that's one of our things. Um, okay, let me let me interrupt you. Actually, I want to circle back on one thing you said, and then I want to ask about the working home. I want our listeners to make note of, of something you said, Amy, which is you went several years before you got to a million a year in revenue. Yeah. That's another important it lesson, is. is that these things tend to be exponential. And if you, uh, actually, one of, one of my former students who's working on a similar kind of business, she's just been three or four months in, and she's like, I oh, don't know, we're just having a few orders a day. It's just, I oh, like, I remember yeah. those days. <laughs> well, I would call Stella, we got an order today. Yeah, I remember yeah. them. Yeah, it's yeah. like, no, that's what it's like. It that's what it takes, yeah. It and it, yeah. you know, and, and so in 2013, in, the, in that summer, you know, we were around a million, million and a half dollar company. So in the last three years, we've gone from one to 30. Exactly. Right, yeah. 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 It does take trial and error. I mean, if you have more funding, had we gotten venture, maybe we would have gotten there faster, yeah. but it's all trade-offs. Yeah. All right. So back to this work at home thing. I wouldn't, I mean, I love working at home. I do work at home quite a lot, but but I wouldn't 
necessarily think that everyone does. So, so that, so to some extent, you're getting a little selection bias, right? If you, if that is part of your culture, you're going to attract a certain kind of person that likes that. How did you think about that question? That was something that you valued, or was it really about parenting? What was the motive for that yeah, two days a week? Yeah. But, but those are okay. both good points. It was yeah. definitely about us. Mm -hmm. um, we both enjoy working from home two days a week, and it was also about parenting. It's. Um, easier to be a parent if you're not getting home at 6 37 o'clock mm -hmm. at night five days a week um so that was one of the things but we also were deliberate in our strategy our recruiting strategy so we're here in in san francisco we have to compete against companies like google and facebook which offer these incredibly rich benefits um that we can't afford right. as a small company but what we can afford to do is create the non-monetary benefits that flexibility in the workforce we can create a workforce that's very female friendly right we i mean they're there are a lot of, um, I have a lot of mom friends who are afraid to go work at a startup because they're afraid of what the hours would be that yeah. they're in the office with their kids at home. I have friends, maybe, you know, we, we have a pretty diverse workforce um, in terms of race. Um, you know, maybe you don't want the typical ping pong, stereotypical Hoodie startup. Wearing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Whether you're male, female, whatever, yeah. if you're not that person and you're looking for something else, we, we offer a different culture internally. Our other value is family. I mean, I, I one of the best parts of this entire year happened this morning when I got a card from one of my employees telling me that she knows I care about her as much Aww. as she cares about me. That yeah. stuff matters to us. Yeah, but let me underscore. I mean, that's all. That's a beautiful thing. But I want to underscore just in a in a in a hard nosed business perspective that if you are competing in a competitive labor market and you don't have a lot of money, you got to look for things you can do that make your workforce attractive. That's and right. And and this is a nice it's a nice segment uh, to be to be addressing. Just out of curiosity, would I, I remember you know Marissa Marissa Meyer uh, clamped down on the on the work at That's home right. at, at Yahoo. Do you feel like you're more or less productive on those days? What's your take on the productivity side? Just the hard nosed productivity. Yeah, there's there well, if you bucket productivity into two, like okay. in a meeting in a group where you're problem solving something that as a group you have to do in office we have a lot of meetings on those days yeah. but in terms of like sitting down and individual tasks i am way more productive mm -hmm. at home and i and that's what i hear from the team mm -hmm. too so do you think so people sort of partition in their week they say okay my, yeah. that's, that's my tuesday yeah uh, activity we have well we you know if we're having a marketing team meeting it yeah. has to ha or our all our all hands meeting those ha have to happen on in office days so it organically has been working out that way. Say a little bit about the about how you and Stella work together. You have this title co-CEO, which is not that common. There are few, oh. but not too many. Uh, what, what what would be first of all? What are the motives for doing it that way? And then secondly, how have you partitioned your your roles? Yeah. So I'll answer the easier one first. Okay. We've we've partitioned our roles very clearly based either on our historical expertise or the expertise we've built mm -hmm. while here. I was a, um, a CPA early in my career and a corporate finance and strategy consultant at McKinsey. And so I run our finance side um, and our strategy um, informally, although I sh I, that's the one that's a little bit blended with Stella. She had worked in Silicon Valley her entire career um, after graduating from Harvard. And so she has always run our product development. Mm -hmm. um, marketing was one area that neither one of us had strong expertise, and I have built that up over time. And now I'm lucky enough to have um, a team on hand who all know a lot more than I do about marketing. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and then the motive. The motivation, yeah. you didn't let me out of that yeah. one. Um, so the, the motive for doing this, I th honestly, I think in the, so in the beginning, we always wanted to do this together. Mm -hmm. um, I think St Stella actually called me. We had talked about it for a long time, and she calls me one day, and she's like, I'm doing it. Are you coming or not? Oh, um, wow. So she yeah, was the she was, yeah, she was the catalyst. Yeah. I might not have ever gotten here, but she, yeah. she wanted. What was her background? Stella has um, a master's in East Asian studies from Harvard mm -hmm. and had worked at startups yeah. um, for I think 15 or 20 years yeah. doing product development and launches and then was running um, different business units mm -hmm. at eBay. Yeah, so those are pretty complementary skills. We have, yeah. I would say that we are a great yin and yang. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we have very different fun functional expertise mm -hmm. um, and then our personalities are different. Um, we, so in the beginning, it just made sense to share everything completely equally. Mm. And then as time goes, nothing was broken. Yeah. And so, um, and so why, why, why alter something that's working really well for us? Yeah. And at this point, it's been eight or nine years and the dynamic is really good. Wow. Yeah. It reminds me of when my wife and I first got married, mm. we had this very principled rule, like we'd switch off cooking and bills and so forth. And then at one point, we're just like, no, just do you're what good you're good at, at you know? We say it's like a marriage. I mean, we yeah. own this asset together and yeah. it's very valuable. And you you know, her kid's college education, mine. We, exactly. You know. Yeah, you're now codependent code for sure. You know, I want to ask a question that probably- Codependent. <laughs> we're going codependent. Stella, that, if you're listening. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> a variety of meanings, I know. The the I want to ask you about something that might be in Stella's domain, but I'm sure you'll know all about it, which is uh, customer acquisition. So how do you how do you acquire customers? And if you thought explicitly, it's pretty easy to think about what their lifetime value is because you know what mar your margin is, you know how long they stay on your subscription, so you know what their lifetime value is. How do you think about acquisition costs and what what's worked for you? I love this question, and it's <laughs> totally in my domain area. Oh, good. Um, yeah. So the main metric that a lot of subscription companies are evaluated on in uh, this heavy growth high growth stage is ltv over cac right so um and let me just so lifetime value over customer acquisition cost and your yeah. question is how do we how do we how, i was mostly asking about the cac so how do you what's worked for you and and how analytical have you been about acquisition? very analytical yeah. stella and i both have a very analytical background um so that getting to that million dollars um we were really looking for that one magic bullet mm -hmm. and um and we couldn't find it and then back in the summer of 2013 we tested on facebook and on the first day we tried advertising on Facebook, we had um, an acquisition cost that was attractive to us and we started scaling spend and really grew the company from about a million to at least uh, 10, 15 million really through Facebook. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so it really was this pro process of searching for a golden bull, we silver bull, but you found one. That, uh, yeah. We did find one. And yeah. then, and then in this last year we moved into TV advertising and mm -hmm. that has just brought enormous scale to the business mm -hmm. and been, you know, in this digital age when we poo poo physical products yeah. and we poo poo, um, like old media, like TV, right. it is really there killing it for us. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. Amazing. Well, podcasts. Podcasts, well, podcasts are very good too. All right, so let me. We're actually out of time, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna. We're gonna. I, I get ten seconds. Give us your ad. Give us your ad. Uh, give us the ten second ad for for little passports. Little passports inspires your kid to learn about the world one month at a time. A new package is arrives for your child. All right. Order it for Christmas. Littlepassports.com. All right, there you go. You got it. Uh, Amy, thanks so much for coming in. It makes a huge difference to have you here in the studio. I'm thanks. Really so much. happy to be here. Okay. 
Well, for more information about Little Passports, I'll say it again. You can go to littlepassports.com. You can also follow Amy on Twitter, at Amy Norman, and check out her blog on the Forbes website. I'm Carl Holren, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes.